Tuesday, May 7th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Pool 1, Jason Moser, and from Fool.com, Matt Koppenheffer. Good to see you guys. Howdy, Chris. Howdy, duty. Uh, we're going to talk banking. We're going to talk video games. We're going to talk fashion retail because at least one of us in the room is fashionable. We're all about fashion. <laughs> um, we're going to start with Microsoft in just a moment, but just because we were talking about you yesterday, Matt... <laughs> Uh, and you were just a speed demon out there in the 5K race at Berkshire Hathaway doing the Motley Fool proud. So thank you for that. You got to sure. high five Warren Buffett. You know, I, I think that has a lot to do with with my with, with my race. You know, I, I I I the true finance nerd in me came out at the beginning of, my, of the race. I bodied ahead and uh, and got right in front of Warren before he shot the starting gun. And, uh, and got a Buffett high five. The Buffett high transcends the runner's high. That's the lesson to be learned here. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. that is yeah. fantastic. All right. Uh, let's talk Microsoft. Last October, Microsoft launched Windows 8, and CEO Steve Ballmer called it a bet-the-company moment. Now Microsoft <laughs> is acknowledging it will be changing, quote, key aspects of Windows 8. Uh, they're going to be uh, issuing a new release of the software, and, you know, one analyst out there is comparing this to new Coke. Just is it that big a debacle? That seems like an overreach when you consider just what a horrific bomb new Coke was. And Windows 8, you know, as we've talked about in this room before, yeah, they're not, you know, selling a ton of them. But part of that is just the upgrade cycle getting longer. I don't know. What, what do we think? Is the new Coke analogy, is that one that holds up? Well, I don't think that you can go back to the bookie and change your bet after the race has started. <laughs> right. So that's kind of where I'm drawing the line here with, with Balmer. And truthfully, you know, I look at Microsoft. We talk about Microsoft all the time because it's just a phenomenal company in, in the amount of cash that it generates. But I really do think Microsoft has had a lot. It's, it's had a tougher time anticipating uh, what people want. You know, that's that's what Steve Jobs did so well was was anticipate what people want and then develop products around it. Microsoft has been a much more reactionary company as opposed to a visionary company. And it was visionary, you know, not not too terribly long ago. But I, I truly believe that Steve Ballmer is is a prime source of the problem here. I mean, the concerns of CEOs going to CEOs are valid. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I, I think we've had 10 years here to judge this when the stock is down 35% over his watch, and I just don't think it's working. They need to figure out a way to shift from reactionary back to visionary. What do you think, Matt? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a shareholder of Microsoft myself, and, and it makes me feel like uh, I know what the coach of the bad news bears was going through. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, in the changeover, there were some analysts saying that you know this this is a big admission of failure for uh, for Bomber. And you know what's interesting is that's actually the one bright spot that maybe I can pull out of this story. Uh, there aren't there aren't many of them right. here, but you know I. I would rather have a CEO that sees something that isn't working and is willing to say this isn't working. Let's change course and not you know not be scared to say this didn't work. We 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 failed. We blew it. Um, it now. It's a little late, and and, and and as the new Coke uh, comparison goes, new Coke was was pulled off the shelves a lot sooner than Windows 8. Uh, there's a phenomenal quote from Tammy Reller, who is the head of marketing and finance for Windows, the Windows division within Microsoft, and she was referring to feedback from customers and clients thus far, and she said, the learning curve is definitely real, <laughs> which I love that quote because it acknowledges that there are problems out there. And there's just a slight hint of putting the blame on the customers 
not picking it up fast enough. But, uh, I mean, to your point, uh, you made the bad news bears analogy. One of the great business lessons, I think, of the bad news bears is that the way that team starts winning in the movie is the coach goes out and gets some ringers. You know, and th- and that's what I feel like with this situation. I feel like yes, it's good that Bomber acknowledges the problem, but they got to get some ringers into that into that company and just stack. fix this yes. to turn it around. Stack that bench, right? <laughs> um, the other thing I, I find a little surprising about this is just the perf- the recent performance, I should say, of Microsoft stock. I mean, yes, over Bomber's tenure, it is down, but mm-hmm. over the last few months, this is a a, a big tech stock that's done pretty well. Um, it, it, again, is that is that overstating the problem of Windows 8, or or do you think one has nothing to do with the other? I, I, I think you know we're looking at, at an issue of the the stock versus the company. The company is you know it's it's got its challenges, and this is this is a prime example of that. Uh, the stock has done better recently, but I, I think that's more of a function of you've got some uh, s- some cyclical industries coming back, uh, some some tech, uh, the, the tech industry has done well overall. And so I think that's really more of a function of the stock performance than the company uh, doing better than this suggests. Yeah, and they had a relatively decent quarter uh, here just passed as well. So I think there's some reason to be optimistic there. And I, I agree with Matt's point totally in that it's nice to see they're taking customer feedback to try to improve this situation. But I mean, truth be told, that's a very tall order to get someone to really, I mean, they're not just making a shift from like Windows XP to Windows 7 or whatever. I mean, Windows 8 seems to be a very, a very different uh, user experience, which I mean, there's, there's sort of a switching cost involved there. It's not necessarily that you're switching the environment there, but you are having to sort of relearn this operating system all over again. And it just goes to show you what Apple and Google have done so well up until this point in keeping their, keeping their, their, uh, their operating systems relatively consistent, simple, streamlined. They, they integrate into all of their devices. And so that's, it's not really that tall of an order for me, for me to make a switch from, from an iPhone 4 to an iPhone 5 or an iPad 2 to an iPad 3. And, and when you make that kind of a switch to a Windows 8, there is a learning curve there that's, that's difficult to overcome. By a long shot, the most heavily traded stock today is Bank of America. Um, and I think, Matt, that part of that is the fact that years of legal battles are now over. Um, uh, Bank of America had been in uh, a, a legal battle with MBIA. Um, they've now reached a $1.7 billion settlement. And this stems out of um, MBIA's battles. R- really, this is something that Bank of America inherited uh, because th- this was a battle that MBIA had with Merrill Lynch and Countrywide, right? All roads lead back to Countrywide. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so it, it was kind of an interesting situation here that um, Bank of America uh, uh, again through Countrywide. So so they had uh, uh, they had sold uh, uh, loans into securitizations, and MBIA, MBIA basically said these these were terrible. You, you, we're going to put these back on you. And then at the same time, uh, Merrill Lynch had insurance uh, contracts with MBIA. So you had kind of this triangular thing where everybody said everybody else owed them money. Uh, they've been in legal battles for for years now. And so they finally got this figured out. And, and like all friends do, it came down to about uh, $1.6 billion in a, in a cash settlement. Sure, yeah. And, and some other. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, what's what's interesting here is that smiling from ear to ear yesterday uh, uh, must have been Bruce Berkowitz. So so Berkowitz, who, who manages the Fairhome Fund, he has a monster position in Bank of America. Yeah. He also has a sizable position in, uh, in MBIA. And, and looking at his position in NBIA as of the end of February, 
Uh, it, it's looking like he's up about $100 million on that position alone after yesterday's wow. uh, Nice. Um, two, two quick questions about Bank of America. First, about the CEO, Brian Moynihan. Um, I, I, while acknowledging that their acquisition of Merrill, but particularly countrywide, brought a whole host of problems, uh, that also brought the opportunity to point to the countrywide acquisition as the source of problems. Is, does this settlement now fully remove the stain of countrywide? Is, is, you know, is, is Brian Moynihan now in a position where the problems are behind him, but so is using countrywide as an excuse? Or does he, is he still able to play that card? If only, <laughs> if only. Um, so th- there's still there's still a lot of uh, a lot of legal liabilities out there. They're you know moving through them one at a time. Uh, the next big hurdle um, will be the end of this month, where uh, wh- where we get back into court with the um, the Bank of New York Mellon settlement. This is with a bunch of private investors. It- it's a settlement that's been reached already, but there is a lot of uh, th- there's been a lot of criticism of the settlement. There are a lot of people opposing the settlement, and so they're going to go back to court and figure out whether the settlement can go through. Or uh, whether they've got to go back to the drawing table, and if they do, that could potentially mean a much bigger payout for Bank of America. And finally, shares today now at a two-year high. Do you like them at this price? I like them. I'm an owner. Um, you know, I, I think th- this is a process of repairing the bank, and then it's a process of seeing if the bank can can continue to move forward. You know, we talk so much, or, or I talk so much uh, about countrywide being being that problem. If you look at the numbers and they break these out in, in the annual report, countrywide really was that bad. So when you think about Bank of America as a core bank versus the countrywide disaster that it took on, you know, I'm optimistic that once these problems get, get cleaned up, the Bank of America can start to perform again. I realize that uh, comparing Windows 8 to New Coke is, is something of an apples-to-apples comparison just because it's a product launch, comparing it to a product launch. But New Coke, I mean, come on, that was the, that was, when was that? That was the mid-80s, wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah, it? Was this whole that bundle. was so long ago. I feel like now, maybe use the countrywide acquisition as, uh, you know, as a comparison. Like, how bad is this? I'll tell you, this is like the countrywide of tech rollouts. Apt. Oof. Electronic Arts is going to be the exclusive provider of games based on the Star Wars series for Disney. This seems like, when I saw this news, Jason, I just thought, oh, that's an automatic win for Electronic Arts. Shares were flat to slightly down today. Is is this not... Is this not a big bag of money? I mean, it's 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 a win. Now, I mean, I don't know that it's really an automatic win. And the real the reason why I say this is because really, in all honesty, this was a great move by Disney. I think Disney's the bigger winner here because they kept the mobile and the social and the tablet and online gaming aspect of this deal. And to me, really, that's where that's where the longer tail of activity is. That's where gaming is really going. There are some outliers there, and, and I'm looking in your direction, Activision Blizzard, World of Warcraft, and Call of Duty. <laughs> Those are those are two real outlier events there that I don't know that there's ever going to be any kind of a, a any kind of a video game that that comes close to really topping uh, what those two games have done over the course of their lives. I mean they they bring in more money than you know like all of the Harry Potter movies combined. Yeah. So just just absurd numbers and EA is not going to be able to do that with Star Wars. Um but I do think that this is a good move by Disney. Their their interactive division is their their one money loser. You know, that's actually, yeah. that's actually the division of the company that comes and records an operating loss. It, they just haven't done a great job of monetizing it over, over the, over the recent years. So I know they have a focus on trying to do that, and I think this is a good way to try to get that done. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, EA, EA has the chance to produce here, and we're gonna have to actually see if they can bring the heat. 
uh, it's 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 a nice opportunity. I was going to say it's an oper- it sounds like it's an but, opportunity, but not yeah, necessarily it, an automatic. They way. can certainly bungle it. I mean, just kind of wait and <laughs> there's, see. There's there. plenty of time to screw this up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, back to Disney for a second. What, do you know what the latest is on? They had uh, a game that they were, I think, initially looking to roll out in June, and it was they they had a a video trailer for this game, and it was going to be a game that incorporated. All these different characters from the Disney universe. So, Mr. Incredible and, you know, Jack Sparrow from. Was this uh, like a Street Fighter type of thing? Uh, <laughs> no, but it was going to be like Disney's version of Skylanders. And where, I think where, that you was... could, where you could, you know, you could have all these different characters from Pixar and from animated movies and from Pirates of the Caribbean, and you could have them all interact with one another. And I looked and I thought, well, that, that looks pretty neat. And then it got delayed. And I don't know if that's just, if that's now their Windows 8 where they're just I, pushing it, it out. It pushing may it out. be. I do recall that. And I recall that we had spoken about it before. I can't remember correctly if it was something they were doing in conjunction with, uh, Activision Blizzard. Uh, but I do, I do remember they were looking at that as sort of a, a new interactive kids product. I haven't seen anything on that release. So it's very uh, possible that they did delay it, uh, as they sort of roll out this new interactive strategy. Shares of Abercrombie and Fitch are up this morning. The stock got upgraded by both Wells Fargo and Goldman Sachs. Um, so, you know, obviously a good day for Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, at least in terms of the stock. And yet, the reason we're talking about them uh, is the story uh, that I first saw on Business Insider uh, that pointed out that uh, Abercrombie and Fitch does not uh, sell, uh, apparently does not want to sell clothing to um, women who are sort of on the larger size, that that they that they don't even offer sizes above a large for women. They do for guys, uh, and uh, they dug up this quote from Mike Jeffries, the CEO at Abercrombie and Fitch, in an interview he gave back in 2006. Uh, and I'll just quote directly from the article. He said, "In every school." There are the cool and popular kids, and then there are the not-so-cool kids. Candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the attractive, all-American kid with a great attitude and a lot of friends. A lot of people don't belong in our clothes, and they can't belong. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. A kid with a great attitude? That's not cool. (laughs) Cool kids have bad attitudes, right? Good-looking rebels who play by their own rules? Um, Here's the thing about that quote. Um, uh, I, I suppose if I were on the board of directors or I were a longtime shareholder, I'd feel a lot better about that quote if the stock was absolutely <laughs> crushing it. But in fact, if you looked over the last one, two, five years, this stock is getting not just beaten by the market, it is getting significantly beaten by the market. What? What what is this? What uh, that this- strategy is obviously working out. <laughs> I you, you know the, the idea is that you, you know for for a brand like Abercrombie and Fitch you want to go after the exclusive idea so ideal so that you can sell to everybody else. You don't say the ninety nine percent of the, the the kids that aren't the cool kids. We don't want to sell to that part of the market. That's a fantastic approach. We only want to sell to these select few people, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that's working out for the business real well. Yeah, uh, like. uh, was it you or was it Mac before? we were taping made the point about Tiffany. Like Tiffany is a brand that is obviously a luxury brand. It is an aspirational brand. But Tiffany's not going to, you know, turn people away who come in to their stores and say, now nah, you look like you don't have money, so I'm not even going to give you the chance to, to buy here. I think just you have to look at the, the longer, the longer uh, sort of bigger backlash from this as far as Parents go. I mean, you see this kind of thing, and I mean, all of a sudden, I know that with with a six and an eight year old daughter, 
I, I don't want to send them into a store like this. I don't want to, that's not the message I really want to be uh, communicating to them as they grow up. And so, I mean, like on the one hand, I appreciate that he's, he's, you know, very frank and he's honest being about blunt. his yeah. It's no problem with that. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Now, the, the caveat to that is I hope he understands that he's certainly limited the top-line growth that Abercrombie & Fitch is going to bring in, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, them probably suffer a bit from this. There certainly ought to be a Saturday Night Live skit made out of it. Well, the, the demographic growth of cool kids is, is going to explode. <laughs> so, you know, sooner or later, everybody's going to be a cool kid, and they'll all be shopping at Abercrombie, it right? It could be, and then by virtue of the fact that you have so many cool kids in there aren't you just a little bit less cool uh, i think you are yeah i mean well, now know, it's cool to not be cool and, and again when you when, when you look at what other companies are doing in terms of their branding in terms of the the customer base that they're going after you know h&m uh we were talking before about dove soap and their yeah. their real beauty campaign which mm-hmm. I, I i've seen the the videos on youtube they're amazing like they're 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 just really wonderfully done yeah that's um, the flip side of and the then right oh there. here's a little number then when you factor in that mike jeffries is the second highest paid ceo in the public markets he makes uh, 1640 times the average worker at abercrombie and fitch making him the second highest paid ceo by that metric um, again, this, everything I have learned in the past 12 hours about Abercrombie and Fitch, Fitch makes me just want to run away as far away from possible as that stock until Mike Jeffries gets replaced. Even then, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a big, that's a big problem too, because you make a good point there. Once he gets replaced, once he steps down, that the damage may already be done. I mean, he really is doing a number on that brand. I mean, that's not going to be something that just washes away in a short amount of time. I think that people are going to remember that. I think that people people relate this kind of stuff to the brands. Uh, I just don't think it's something that that goes away that quickly, even with a leadership change. Like the uh, the cool kid with a bad personality. If you get rid of the get rid of the bad personality, then it's just an identity crisis with a good head of hair. <laughs> that's a good point. You, I love the point you made earlier this morning, where, where we were talking about sort of, you know, the whole notion of, oh, it's, uh, are we being exclusionary? And you know, I said, um, yeah, kind of like newspapers are being now being exclusionary. It's like, <laughs> exactly. no, 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 we don't have declining circulation. Uh, we're just being exclusive about who we're selling our newspapers. And you compared the, it to the buggy whip. Yeah, the, the bu- bu- buggy whip manufacturers. They were only <laughs> selling to the coolest uh, uh, horse-drawn cart drivers at, at the time. Hence their demise. <laughs> Jason Moser, Matt Cobb, and Effort Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is the fashionable Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mac, what do you... As a Kirkland guy, as a as a <laughs> self avowed Kirkland brand guy, and Mac, I, you're pretty cool in my book. I mean, I don't know. You well, don't that's gonna... I, that's. By the way, I mean that's what I love about you know about Mac's approach to clothing, where he he's he's a value guy. He's yeah. just like, hey, look what I, you know. And that was actually when I was talking to my 13 year old one time. I said. Uh, I said, "What do you think of Abercrombie and Fitch?" And she just goes, "Oh my God, it, it's so expensive!" Like you're like you know, <laughs> like just she's like, "It just costs so much to go in there; it's not even worth it." And as a parent, you're like, "Man, that was pretty yeah. cool." Yeah, like, so proud of you. Very cool. So <laughs> now, now on the flip side, Microsoft, which has apparently taken the approach of selling to only the not cool kids, doesn't seem to be working out too well. Either. No, it doesn't. 
No, it doesn't. Kirkland is the anti-Abercrombie, though, because what I love yes. about um, Costco <laughs> is I went in, bought some shorts, 34. I'm not a size 34 waist, but they make me feel like I am. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can guarantee you that Kirkland shorts, size 34, translate to like 35, maybe 36. <laughs> okay, so, so it would be good enough if the story ended there. But I get these shorts. I go to the hair cuttery because that's where the cool kids go. <laughs> um, and I'm so proud, sporting my new shorts, walking through our neighborhood. And, and I'm out for like 30 minutes, go get my hair cut, walk back. My wife points out that I still have the long sticker that says 34 <laughs> all the way like on my butt, which my kids just loved. And I was just walking around thinking that I was just rocking the new Kirkland shorts. That's like walking out of the bathroom with the toilet paper stuck to your shoes. Yeah, no, no, like, it's a trend. It's a trend. It's like the, for for years, kids were wearing uh, baseball caps with the price tag on them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I'm starting a new well, one. And, 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 and it, it, lets everybody, it, it lets everybody know that you you have the 34s. Yeah, and there I'm secure. Go. I'm secure uh, I'm secure enough to kind of rock the size tag. You're like, you know, I could work at Abercrombie and Fitch if I wanted to.